the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 2. It is a delight to bring back an old friend. Haven't had him on in too long, which is my fault. Uh, John Gabriel, he has a lot of different titles, starting with Undisputed King of Stuff, Editor-in-Chief at Large, I think of the world, Contributor at Discourse Magazine. He writes for Arizona, uh, the Arizona Republic, USA Today, and so many other things. You can follow him on Twix. Twitter X at XJohn, E-X-J-O-N. John Gabriel, welcome back. Great to be on. How you doing? Good. I need your help. Uh, a few of us are trying to get, um, this, we're trying to get past this nonsense where every time you see Twitter, the newspapers put parentheses, or X parentheses, formerly known as Twitter, close parentheses. We're trying to stop this ongoing redundancy and we also don't think in the spoken word saying you X'd something um, or did you read my X works very well or orally. So we're we're trying to make a portmanteau. We're trying to combine Twitter and X. We came up with Twix. That's what we're calling it. Don't you think that works a lot better? And will you participate, please? I will participate. I've been calling it Twixter. And, yeah, that just makes sense that what used to be a tweet is now a Twix. Yeah, so I, I think that's perfect. Yeah, because you say you X things, it's going to confuse people with your title, your handle as yeah. well. Exactly. By XX, I John. Sure. I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Did and, you read uh, X yeah, John's X? I don't think X? that through, that name change. But Twix is good. Plus, it also summons the notion that it's the only candy bar with the cookie crunch. Exactly. So it's good on all levels. Uh, anyway, how how the heck are you? It's been too long. You've been doing well. Yeah, uh, doing well. Uh, writing all over the darn place. Yeah. So um, yeah, just been very busy with that. Uh, just put up a piece with Discourse Magazine, which is done through the Mercatus Center in D.C. And uh, writing my normal weekly column every weekend for Ears of the Republic. I'm like the token. One of the token conservatives there. Yeah. So uh, they it's, it's just me you and Phil right time. now, I think, isn't it? You and Phil, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I tried to get a little bit of baseness to uh, push back against the wokeness. No, you, so. you do great. You and Phil are great writers. Um, really, you you punch. Yeah, I mean, you you, you do you punch up that page nicely. Um, I read your piece in Discourse Mag uh, magazine, John. Tell the audience a little bit about it. There are so many outlets now. Uh, it's new to me. I've known of the Mercatus. And feel free to say something about the Mercatus Center, too. I want my audience to know all about, you know, all these great outlets, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, Discourse magazine, they have a lot of fantastic writers, James Lilacs, uh, Martin Gurry, um, who I think is completely uh, underappreciated. He wrote a fantastic piece, which is pretty much about four years before Trump's election, predicted the election of a Trump kind of candidate. Yeah. So um, he's been on top of it for a while. Uh, Mercatus is a uh, small government, free market, nonprofit think tank uh, located at the George Mason University campus. 
So uh, they've been doing great work for years, a bunch of smart people there. They asked me to join on and start a column there. I've written for them a few times, and uh, uh, probably in a couple weeks, my first column um, will uh, be appearing there. Oh, good. And your most recent, I do want to talk to you about a, a bunch today. It's it's about Iowa and forward. But editor-in-chief at large, is it of the world or is it particularly of something else? No, just at large right yeah. now. Okay. Until um, <clears throat> until the end of the year, I was with uh, Ricochet.com. Right. And now I've been doing a lot of freelance work for a lot of different places. Good. So, good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to see... Um, I'm kind of enjoying this freelance thing Good. because uh, it allows me to keep uh, my night owl schedule. Good. But uh, that probably will have to change, especially when you're dealing with uh, editors on the East Coast. They get tired of receiving um, my column filings at like 3 a.m. their time. This Undisputed King of Stuff title, was it all, Was Undisputed always that part of that, or did that get added? Yeah, some- it's, a, it's truly an essential part of my royal heritage yeah no i years and years ago i had this little blog where i was anonymous called ex-urban league yeah and uh it rose to very minor regional prominence because hugh hewitt would cite it a lot and um then also rush limbaugh uh, shared a lot about it but um back when i was doing that one day i wrote about elections and i wrote about Wall Street that I wrote about some nerdy Doctor Who trivia. I, I don't know anything about Doctor Who. And uh, someone said, okay, you're covering all these different subjects. You are the king of stuff. This is indisputed. Yeah. So I went, oh, okay. Well, I will claim that as a title. Thank okay. you, dear commenter. And uh, <laughs> I will take that on board. I, I do want uh, to let the... It a lot of sense, but I think it's my uh, undiagnosed attention deficit disorder where I just constantly pop from subject to subject to subject uh, just because I want to know everything about everything. No, I get it. We did this yesterday. We learned that there's actually a difference between a possum and an opossum. We got through 50 <laughs> years of life, life until yesterday not knowing that. Did you know that? I did not know that. I thought was just hesitating before they said possum. Yeah, no, no, so. no, no, no. We have gotten so lazy that when you want another species, you just put the letter O in front of it. I guess that happened after the crocodile alligator thing. They end up being yeah, two different yeah. animals. We learned this yesterday. That's what you can do with talk radio. You get, Or in your business, you get to learn things, you know? Yeah. Exactly. I know in my discourse column, I learned a new word, so I had to share it. I'm I'm uh, carrying on the legacy of William F. Buckley, where every article he had like two or three words I had never heard ever in the English language, or he would just, I don't know, do a paragraph in Latin or something. But I learned flecophile. Oh, you like someone, someone from Sweden or something, probably? Yeah, if you, yeah, if you love all things Swedish. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess IKEA is okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you are madly in love with all things Swedish, you are a swecophile. Yeah. Why it isn't Swedophile? I don't know. I almost used Swedophile, and then I did uh, fired up the Google machine, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's actually a word for this. Do you know what they call a very unique person from Sweden? <laughs> What's that? Sweet generous. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well played. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's this is why we get the big bucks over here. And, and I do just want to calm people down on this whole undisputed king of stuff. It's kind of like putting on the t-shirt world's number one dad. 
we yeah. don't know how official yeah. these titles really are. Right. I don't get paid for it, which okay. is my biggest frustration. For okay. being the king of stuff, you think I would have, I don't know, major lands reserved for me as hunting grounds or something like that. Yeah. But uh, no, it's no frills job. It's all voluntary. Good. Thank you for your service. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Let's see how good you are. What's going to happen Monday in Iowa? Um, I think, uh, well, in kind of, I touch on in the article. First off, I'm not great at predictions, um, but uh, I think DeSantis will do very well. I think he will probably be a close number two. That would be my best judgment. He could win it outright. I don't think Nikki Haley will do a lot because... In Iowa, it's not about polls. It's all about organization on the ground. Yep, in yep. Sanus, everything I've heard is in Iowa, he has the best organization. Um, what that means for the broader campaign can be tricky because you have people going back in history. Rick Santorum won Iowa. Uh, gosh, way back, Pat Robertson. You know, yep. so These are not people who became president. Nope. But it's a weird system, the caucus system, where – you just gather together with neighbors and uh, bicker with each other for a while, and you all decide on, okay, we're going to support this candidate. So yeah. um, I think he will do well. Um, I'm full disclosure. I love Ron DeSantis now for a long time. Even back when he was in Congress, I thought he had uh, the right solutions and just dynamic stuff done in Florida, as we've seen. Um, but, yeah, his campaign in general, nationally, didn't really catch fire. He's not doing wonderful in uh, New Hampshire, to say the least, which is kind of more, you know, we're talking New England. And so Nikki Haley sells a bit better up there. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, it's on to South Carolina to see if anybody can challenge Trump, who's uh, the big kahuna in the room. Yeah, uh, those are the three threads I want to pick up with you after the break, if I can. Um, what Ron DeSantis may or may not accomplish on Monday, A, Will it matter? Uh, B, what in the Sam heck happened? Uh, and then C, kind of what it says about our party and our movement generally, depending on the answer to the first question. So, John Gabriel, let me take a quick commercial break, folks. You can follow him at Discourse Magazine or on Twitter X, what we call Twix, at XJohn, E-X-J-O-N. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Gabriel is my guest. You can follow him on Twitter, X, Twix, at XJohn, E-X-J-O-N. See his writings at Discourse Magazine. Uh, he's weekends in the Arizona Republic, elsewhere. Uh, John, let me do the um, the one that has no the question with no accountability first. What the heck happened to Ron DeSantis? Because, yeah, uh, in many ways he was a dream to the conservative movement, doing all the right things in Florida – uh, so much so that he made it, you know, a magnet state for 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 a lot of uh, expats of California and other blue places. Uh, took on the press and the media just the kind of way we like. But it goes to the national stage, and whatever that thing is, it's just not worked, right? What is that thing? What made him the Scott Walker or the Fred Thompson of 2024? Yeah, I um, I always say, you know, it's never over. Anything can happen. We all know this in politics. Everything can flip on a, you know, on a bad tweet these days. Yep. Um, campaigns can flip. But at least so far, started out, what, about 10 points behind Trump. Now he's well below that. And um, 
it's interesting. I think people are, um, I kind of break it down in my article to an issue of branding. Yeah. And that's used too much in politics, I think. But it is a reality. I spent many years marketing um, different products and services to the fine American people. And the entire purpose behind branding and marketing is to make an emotional connection with people who might be your customers. Mm-hmm. And uh, going to the Sweco file, getting to use that word again, is, I have a friend who has a Volvo and he wants a new car. He's going to get a Volvo because it's all he's ever owned. That's what his parents are. He's a Volvo guy. And I can show him charts and graphs and, you know, make spreadsheets for him and say, you know, you can get better performance and a longer lasting, more reliable car for about $10,000. He's like, no, I'm a Volvo guy. That's who I am. That's my identity. And I think uh, Trump just had and continues to have that connection with a lot of voters out there and not just Republicans, a lot of independents, several Democrats, as we saw um, when he's in uh, kind of weird races, rust belt uh, along the border sometime with Hispanic voters in Texas. It's an emotional bond. And DeSantis is not an emotional guy. Now, to me, I love that because I don't like emo- I don't do emotions very yeah. well. I'm, yeah. I'm not; those were not factory presets on my personality. Understood. And uh, but I realize, and especially after 2016, it's everybody should realize, especially the kind of screaming, angry, never Trump types out there, is <clears throat> you know if, if you will sit back with a nice uh, glass of bourbon and read a white paper like I sadly admit to do, instead of going out partying or something, um, we're the weirdos in politics. Yeah, no, that's right. We're, <laughs> we're rare. We're rare. Thing. We're very rare. No, I take that yeah, point. 20,000 like, people can go to a to a stadium. They're, they're also rare, uh, you know. Yeah. But, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and it's a situation where, um, you know, I want kind of a Calvage Coolidge. I would love someone to be elected to do their job, and I don't hear about them for four years. Yep. That's my ideal. That's not most people, mm. and I accept that and understand that. I think um, both campaigns have really – well, mostly the campaign surrogates. Um, you know, Twitter, of course, can be a cesspool, and people just scream at each other all day. But thing, I don't know. I don't hate someone for liking a different candidate. Yeah. I try to understand it, but I don't know. I have friends who support, I don't know, probably everybody in the race. Probably a few were like, I'm going to vote for Biden or something. But it's like family members, friends, we all have different opinions. And I have mine. And I don't know, when I read an article, I try to explain it. It's like, here's what I'm thinking. Take it or leave it, kind of. I'm not, you know, I doubt I'm going to change everybody's mind by my uh, clever word choice or something like that. And um, But I think a lot of people have just made it really hostile, made it a blood sport, which makes sense if you're fighting someone who, you know, is is single-handedly destroying the country, <clears throat> Joe Biden. But uh, when you're talking Republican to Republican, uh, you know, I'm sorry, the economy was better under Trump <laughs> than under Biden. And if I don't get my way, you know, I want someone who can at least, I don't know, kind of improve things a bit or stop the slide at the very least. So, um, but I think a lot of campaign surrogates, you know, gosh, just today I started seeing hashtag never Nikki. And it's like, look, I don't hate any of these people because I don't care about politicians enough to get emotional. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I just don't think they do a great job at all. I don't, I don't think Nikki but, Haley. But that might that might that, 
that might be some of the DeSantis problem. You don't get an emotional. A lot of people, Mm -hmm. they say do. They want an emotion about their politician. And Trump's emotion, I I don't know, maybe he speaks to an anger uh, or uh, um, uh, 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 something that he kind of channels the voice that people wish they could they could they could channel that they could use in a sense maybe that's fair to say about trump maybe it's disputable you can dispute it the thing about desantis is there is and nikki certainly has an emotion the thing about desantis is there is no emotion there's none you get nothing out of him to the degree that peggy noonan who i quote very carefully and sporadically Got something right on this. I think she gets emotion in politics fairly well. She has other deficits. I think she gets that. A line I'll never forget. She said, you know, we talk often about whether we like a politician, whether we'd like to even have a beer with them or something. What you get with Ron DeSantis is the sense that here's a politician that doesn't like you. And I thought, oh, that stings. Oh, that stings. But maybe there's something to it. Yeah, I I think there is. And if you look at all the polling – Voters, frankly, on all sides of the aisles, the various aisles running through our culture, they're all mad. They're really mad. Yep. And that is, you know, Trump is like pure undistilled rage yep. when it comes to things that a lot of voters really care about. Uh, gosh, look at the border stuff, you yep. know. Yep. It's understandable people are angry and upset about it, and they can kind of, uh, he can channel that to, to success. And Ron DeSantis is just kind of stoic, calm, get things done, no drama, um, you know, I'll go home. He he reads your white papers. He's writing your white papers that you're reading. Yeah, you two are meant for each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And I I think, too, when it comes to, like, election predictions and things, one of the really big problems with the political media is they think they know everything. They think they got it all figured out. Uh, You know, we know exactly what's going to happen and why. And they're just wrong again and again and again. You need a lot of humility in this business to realize here. Here's my perspective, but uh, your mileage may vary. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Hopefully my insights might help you figure out who you think is best out there. But, um, yeah, there's just and, – and that's why we've seen a lot of anger and rage and a lot of conservative-leaning, at least, institutions out there. Um, you know, you got to support this person. you got to support that person. Um, I've made a policy, you know, despite writing for the local paper, I never make endorsements for everybody. So yeah. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, but- this writer I like is tells me I need to vote for a candidate. <laughs> it's like, that's not my role here. Yeah. You're an adult. You can figure it out. Yeah. 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 Uh, let me take a quick commercial break and pick up on the word, the I word that you use, the immigration issue. I want to talk to you about that when we come right back more about Democrats than Republicans. And is this an issue that might actually be useful to attract certain Democratic voters? In other words, are they finally kind of getting it, or at least some of them? John Gabriel and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. John Gabriel is our guest. John, in um, the last segment, you had mentioned immigration in the context of Donald Trump. And I don't know if I'm if I'm onto something or not. I would love your perspective on it. Do you think this issue, this overwhelming problem with the illegal immigration, 
is actually beginning to affect the way Democrats view their party on this issue. When when you saw red state governors like Ron DeSantis or, or, or Governor Abbott in Texas, you know, busing and flying illegals to nullification cities, what some people call sanctuary cities, um, you know, there was outrage by obviously the political leaders, but there was our outrage by the people too. Democratic cities. I'm just wondering if you think Democrats are coming back to their senses on this a little bit. And if so, will that hold the Republican Party in better stead going into 2024? Or am I all wet? You are exactly right. This is an issue that motivates voters big time. The Democratic, some Democratic politicians are finally seeing it. They're seeing it too late. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> People have already noticed and they're upset. Uh, one example, one barometer I use yeah. is I have a certain family member who's mm-hmm. center left, mm-hmm. almost will always vote for a Democrat. Mm-hmm. And then when immigration became an issue years ago, when Obama was in office, she voted for Romney. Mm-hmm. When immigration was an issue, she, she uh, changed her vote to Doug Ducey mm-hmm. when he was reelected. Mm-hmm. It motivates people. This is not someone who's, you know, screaming, yelling about immigration, they barely talk about it because in those circles, that just isn't done. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be thought of as mean or something like that. Yep. But people know, they notice, and they're very upset about it. This includes a lot of the center-left people, kind of more traditional Democrats. Not, they're not activists. They're not out there screaming with megaphones, blocking traffic. These are just people who, in their minds, believe the right things for the right reasons, and in polite society, you, you know, you usually would support Biden, or, you know, voting for Trump. Well, that's just not done in our circles. Those people are very, very upset about immigration. And it's understandable in a border state like Arizona, but now they're feeling the pinch in New York City, in Chicago, and all these huge capitals that have been paying lip service to how nice and tolerant and inclusive they are, inviting these hordes and hordes of people in, and then will unironically say, well, we need someone to clean our toilets or mow our lawn. Um, these people are, for the most part, not my family member, of course, but a lot of these politicians, they just have this weird paternalistic slash racist view of immigrants where, oh, this is nice, I can get free labor and I don't need to pay taxes on it. Sorry, guys, uh, that free ride is over. I think DeSantis in Florida, uh, Governor Abbott has been heroic on it. Doug Ducey, when he was governor, he was great on it. Shipping these people to sanctuary cities is like, look, you guys want these people. And if you look at the damage financially, socially, to the medical system of Yuma, Arizona, that has had to deal with so much of this, um, it's just absolutely offensive that this hasn't been a national issue on national media nonstop and screaming at the administration to fix it. They know what they're doing. They're doing this purposely. Um, You know, a lot of people are saying, hey, no more funds to Ukraine until we have a bill spending more money on the border. We don't need to spend a dime on the border. Or, frankly, we could cut back what we're sending to Ukraine. We don't need to spend a dime. It's a matter of will. And he could end this immediately in the next hour if he gave the word. But he won't do it because not only... Is he recruiting a whole bunch of, in his mind at least, vassal voters? He's also padding districts to make them, when they do uh, redistricting, that way you'll have a whole bunch more Democrats and they will get a lot better numbers, 
when it comes to uh, house races and the like. So this is a long-term plan. It has been for a long time by the Democrats. They've done the same thing throughout Europe. England has, France has, Germany has. Um, people hate it, and this includes people who wouldn't normally vote for Republicans. So it's going to be a really big factor. Um, check out the exit polls in November, yeah. and it will be. And everybody in the press will act shocked and astonished. By yeah, that. all but you need awesome. to do is just take a few more Brooklyn Democrats and throw them out of their schools to house illegals, and you could see a seismic shift, right? Exactly. I, let me take a and, quick and break. Let, let me, yeah, can I take a quick? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you make Please that. Do. That yeah. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> That's good. All right, John Gabriel, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. John, in 19 years of radio, no one's ever said to me what you said right before the break. I love it. <laughs> Can I take a break? Please do. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> that was pretty funny. You um, you brought up Ukraine. Uh, talk to me a little bit about this 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 interesting issue that I don't know if I'm more romantic about it than most or not, but a few elections, most political consultants will say people don't vote on foreign policy, but it is undisputably true that some elections foreign policy does loom large. In recent memory, it's hard to find one, uh, 2004 probably in the midst of war Iraq, uh, 1980, I think it's fair to say Ronald Reagan uh, did a good job uh, in moving voters on that issue. And the thing that is also undisputable is the world looks an awful lot closer to pandemonium now than it did five years ago, and it looked pretty damn Pacific five years ago. Is that going to be a shape of this race, or do you think I'm chasing up a no. romantic tree? That's another thing that I think people are noticing, and you have the press basically warning of Armageddon and World War III every day Trump was in office, and now it's like, no, everything's going great. Yeah. No, it isn't going <laughs> great. Everybody, yeah. you know, yeah. flip on the news. Yeah. It's going horribly. Uh, it took us months to take out a bunch of, you know, sheep herders in Yemen, uh, firing sidearms at ships, basically. And, uh, yeah, enough already. And and that's the problem with Ukraine. It's not Ukraine, you know. It's not. You, you guys, agreed. It's not. I agree. Yeah, it's like, good for you guys. Fight back on the Russians, and I'm fine with helping. But it must be tied first. You know what your first job is if you're a United States politician? It's the United States. Correct. That's what you expend your energy on. On the side, yeah, we can help out this group. We can help out this country here and there. But when you aren't getting things done at home, when you aren't protecting our own borders, don't run around the world trying to protect other people's borders. It's just offensive on its face. And I think that's what a lot of the real dedicated, uh, we, you know, we're going to support Ukraine till the day we die kind of thing. Um, it's not realistic. Um, it, the polls change and they're going to abandon Ukraine in a heartbeat anyway. But it needs to be tied with our broader strategy yep. and it's an extra. It's uh, the extra credit class you take. Um, you know, it's the extra credit book report you give in to boost your grade in high school. That's what it is. It's an extra. It is not the foundation of American uh, prestige, power, and the responsibility to voters are the voters. This shouldn't be that difficult to explain, but in Washington, uh, after ruining our country, they've decided to move on and try to, quote-unquote, fix other countries, basically every other country around the world. 
get it right here, folks, then uh, people will naturally want to emulate uh, your proven success. That being said, it's pretty inarguable that Ukraine would not have been invaded were America a stronger trumpet. Uh, I use that word advisedly in at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. In other words, weak leadership here has spoken awfully loudly around the world. I, I just don't think it's a disputable thesis that Iran would not be doing what Iran is doing right now. Uh, I don't think we'd be wringing our hands about whether we have to worry about Taiwan. And I don't think Putin would have done this if he didn't see what we did in Afghanistan. I mean, I just think that what Ronald Reagan said in 1980 is eminently true, which is when a nation is weak, that's when war comes, not when it's strong. Yeah, and I agree completely. You need to be, uh, you know, the whole speak loudly, you know, yeah. or speak softly, carry a big stick is very important. And what you had with Trump, uh, that was in foreign policy. It was something that Reagan had. Yeah. Um, people didn't know what they were going to do exactly. Uh, people were saying, oh, this person's crazy. You know what you do if, uh, I don't know, there's a guy another on, on your sidewalk approaching you who looks kind of crazy and could do some damage? You move to the other You do side not walk sidewalk. to him. Yep, that's <laughs> right. That's right. You do exactly. not hug him. You do not hug him. And, yeah, and all like the bad press, you know, take the emotion out of it again, go back to Reagan – uh, but everybody agrees, as you had so much of the president, he's crazy, he's going to start World War III. That ended up helping him in foreign policy a great deal because he kept people off balance. They were intimidated by America. They were afraid of what he would do. It was the same with Trump. With Biden, it's just a laughingstock. You know, I can imagine every time um, Beijing and Moscow hook up for some kind of uh, high-level negotiations and discussions – they just must be laughing themselves crazy watching videos of Biden stumbling around stage and forgetting that he's president. He did that again today. So, um, yeah, it's obvious that uh, the world has become unglued. Now, and Americans, I'm sorry, we don't want to be around the world stationing troops everywhere. And, uh, you know, that that's kind of soured some people on Ukraine, for example, and any kind of heavy-duty intervention in the Middle East. But um, it's just very important for uh, American leaders to say, look, just like our founding fathers did, look, you do whatever you want in your backyard. But if you threaten us at all, there will be consequences and they will be very, very dire for you. So just just move on. Um, Basically, you want to be a country like, I don't know, the homeowner who has – a security alarm sign, and uh, this house carries is protected by S and you know Smith and Wesson and uh, things like that. A burglar is going to just kind of walk on by and go to the next house that looks like an easier target. And uh, politicians don't seem to understand that. With Joe Biden, we've had him um, as soon as he took office, he declared the Houthis uh, they are not a terrorist group. He I saw that. Time. That was yes. I mean, we're now yes. Keep going. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, I'm he, you. Uh, he gave more money to Iran. He uh, scolded Strip, and mocked. Stri- Strip defense Arabia. funding of Saudi Arabia. Right, right, right. Yep, yep. He cut funding to the Saudis who are fighting the Houthis and standing against Iran. Right. So, yeah, they said thank you very much and then kicked us in the rear end uh, for the for the effort. So uh, anybody could have predicted this, you know, and uh, how these 
quote-unquote brilliant PhD scholars in D.C. did not see this from a decade ago when Obama did the same thing is just beyond me. And I think it's beyond the average voter. It is an irony of American history, to use a Niebuhr phrase, Reinhold Niebuhr phrase. He wrote a book, Irony of America. It is an irony of American history that we keep learning this lesson or seeming to have to learn this lesson over and over and over again. We learned it with Carter. We learned it uh, with Barack Obama. And we're learning it again with Joe Biden. And it's not merely an academic exercise of what we're learning. There is a body count that goes with it. And um, and and yes, I understand it's hard to worry about your back door when your front, you know your backyard when your front door is being broken into. I, I do understand that, but the truth is, you can have a safer world without being a warmonger. Trump Absolutely. proved it, and Reagan proved it. Right? Uh, let me take one last break here and 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 do one more uh, small Please segment. Do. Yes, <laughs> you're just being polite now, aren't you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, we'll be right back. John Gabriel. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a great investment that uh, really is an investment in you, gives you a lot of power, flexibility, and control, and peace of mind. No attack on principle if you ever need your money back. Monthly statement with no surprises. Absolutely no fees. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. What they have is a secure collateralized portfolio where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. John Gabriel has been our guest. John, let me stretch your uh, – we only have like uh, two minutes left, but let me just stretch your Suikafile, um analog uh, a moment. You, 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 you may have a Volvo that you've liked doesn't work anymore and you're spending a lot of time repairing it but you also have in your car a perfectly good reasonably usable cadillac and the reason i say that is is all our attention on desantis and haley for uh, for not you know it's it's an interesting we're trying to get these things to work or wringing our hands about what they're going to do the cadillac's trucking along <laughs> you know the cadillac donald yep. Trump, he's you know what i mean is yep. is this much ado about nothing yeah and i think ultimately uh one thing that i can be this is why i'm bad at predictions i usually every time i pick someone in a primary especially these contests where there's like 16 candidates running i always pick the guy who drops out first so <laughs> <laughs> when scott lock was running i was like i like him but i like rick perry better what did he do he dropped out you know going back to the first time i voted because I always go for these kind of often, you know, Rick Perry doesn't fit this categorization, but kind of weird, wonky, uh, nerdy people. But I'm like, oh, good. I won't hear about this guy for four years. Yeah. Let's go for it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. It, and I think Republicans will, a lot of people are like, will they unite or things like that? I think they will. I do, too. Uh, once you get to a general election, yeah. it's like primaries are always ugly. Yep. They're ugly. People are attacking each other. And half the time. You know, the front runner picks the second front runner to uh, the second place guy for his uh, running mate. Yeah. So um, it, it's all about winning in November. That's the main thing people need to focus on. Well, stay with us as we get uh, as we get closer and closer to November. It's nice talking to you again, John. I really appreciate uh, everything you do. I try and read everything you write, and uh, we will um, 
will be in closer touch as the as the year goes on. Yes, New Year's resolution. Looking forward to it. Love yeah. talking to you. Okay, John. Thank you. God bless. I am Seth Liebson, and uh, stay tuned. Ed Morrissey coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.